0: Welcome everybody into the Quick Fire Podcast. My name is Nathan Jackson. I'm here with Nathan Farmer. We're ready to give you all of this week's UVU sports. I have a very special episode for you this week. Later on in the episode, we're going to be joined by none other than Fardaw's AMAC who was the key player in that win versus BYU. Yeah. Nathan, how are you doing this week? Yeah, I'm, I'm doing great.
1: I, uh, I caught some flack from my roommate. I, I mentioned this um, on Twitter a couple of times uh, and leading up to the basketball game, like 364 days out of the year, I root for BYU, except for the one day that they're playing UVU. And my roommate was giving me crap, rooting for UVU instead of BYU, and I'm like, dude, this is my school. This come is literally on, man. the school that employs me. <laughs> yeah, like, come on, man. This is. He was like totally joking, but I was still really annoyed with him for giving me crap about that. But yeah, it was. Other than that, it was kind of a slow week in UVU sports. We only had uh, four sports in action this week. But yeah, I'm looking at, uh,
0: looking forward to that interview with Fardos. And we will get to that as well as the recap of that game versus number 12 BYU later on. Uh, Let's talk about volleyball. They played in the NCAA tournament in the first round just across the freeway in Provo at BYU. Um, They lost to Utah in the opening round of the NCAA tournament, three to one. Doris had 13 kills, while Tanavasa had nine. She came up just short of the all-time career kills record with 1594, needing 1600. That honestly pains me a lot. Yeah, I mean, coming into the game, I was like,
1: I don't know if it was before or after the game, but I was like comparing her numbers with, um, I believe it was Kaylee Doxie. She's number one in all-time kills. And Doxie had played something like 10 more matches and, like, 20 more sets than Tanavasa had. And I would argue, I mean, I didn't look at her, like, the teams that she was playing, but I'm sure it was against not as high of a quality
0: of teams. Uh, yeah, I definitely feel like well. the strength of opponents that UBU has had over the years across all sports has mm. increased. I mean, they're oh, yeah. getting better matchups, better scheduling. Especially, I mean, if you just look at in the WAC this year, I mean... The WAC is even teams, starting to become... a legitimized conference for potentially in the next like four or five years at large bids. Yeah. I was, I was obviously disappointed. That, I feel like uh, she deserved it. I feel like yeah. she played to the point where I, she need, in my mind, she's the all time keyless leader, regardless of what the numbers say. Yeah. I
1: would say, I mean, I would say she's the best women's volleyball player to come through UVU without question. There was one, one play at the end of the game against Utah on Friday that it was insane just like that one play alone I was blown away it was just like an, a normal kill but the w- way that she hit the ball it like literally shook the entire arena was it during the it was during the fourth, fourth set, set? Fourth yeah, set I remember. right at the end it was just like
0: it came um, off with like such power yeah, I remember. it was just like a clap of thunder or something like it was insane I definitely would not like to be on the receiving end of yeah, that seriously
1: and that's um that's one thing that in the uh, post game availability, the uh, uh, University of Utah head coach—I don't remember her name off the top of my head—but she was just talking about how um, aggressive this UVU team is, and that kind of played to their um, played into their demise. They just—they're really aggressive with going for kills and whatnot, but not as
0: focused on their defense. They were they were kind of playing up, and then that led to them trying to rush back and play on their heels. Yeah, it was yeah, that was the
1: biggest thing Bishop had double digit digs and then uh but the Utes had three uh players with um double digit kills and that was I mean there's no way
0: you can't win again yeah. like that. <laughs> like, it's the, just not going to happen. And that final set was kind of overwhelming at that point. That, yeah, I mean they they were just out of gas at yeah. that point I think. The U were played really
1: well in the second set. Yeah, and Tori Dorius, I mean she was a woman on a mission in that set. She had six kills and I think two blocks. I mean, she was just exerting herself on the game. Like she was absolutely locked in, but I just, as that third set wore on, you could I could just tell that they were just running out of gas. They didn't have enough left in the tank to get back into the match. I mean, it it felt like after the second set, uh, I was thinking, man, this one's going all five sets. Like they're both teams. I mean, even though in that first set, uh, Utah went on a 13 to three, run to close out the set it kind of turned into a blowout there I think it was like 25 16 in the first set but even despite that the I wouldn't say that some of Utah's points were like kind of quote-unquote fluky but they weren't like it wasn't like Utah was playing insanely better at that point but just as the match wore on you could tell that I mean Utah this was a really tough draw because Utah could have been seated as well they could have been hosting yeah and they were ranked 16 well. in the nation i believe yeah so they were just i mean they were essentially the number 17 team coming into the tournament And mm-hmm. so it was just a really tough draw for UVU. and it's mostly they i've heard that they do that mostly just to keep the first round kind of in a geographically center that's why like that's Boise right. State was um the other team they lost to BYU in their first round game mm-hmm. that's kind of why they grouped it the way it was even though Uh, BYU and Utah could have very easily both hosted I I feel like the volleyball team is probably the team that I covered the most Mm -hmm. this this calendar year including um, back in the spring including that and probably women's soccer too that I covered the most but it's just been so much
0: fun watching this team I mean they they really struggled to start the season I would say and I feel like that the the run that they made at the end of the season, mm-hmm. not only the winning their last two games, but then winning out through the WAC tournament, I think that was that really showed who this team was. Yeah, for sure. I mean, they the
1: spring season they were kind of just running through the WAC. I mean, they I think they lost something like three or four games, but they still beat every single team in the conference, which I think they were the only team to do that. I don't know. if I think uh, Grand Canyon and New Mexico State, I think they were the other two teams that were up at the top of the conference in the spring season. I don't remember what their records were like. It's crazy to see that I had no idea that Coach Atoa had been here for 23 years. I mean, he's been here essentially since this was a community college,
0: He's <laughs> which is kind of crazy. Gonna- put things in crazy perspective but he has been here longer than I have been alive <laughs> yeah same
1: I mean that's the thing it's that, that's just crazy to think of and um, it's amazing to see the um the progress that the program has made under him and I believe it was Kristen Bell in the post game availability was just talking about how amazing it's been just in the in her time here uh, she was a fifth year senior. And so just the improvement they've made since she came on campus for the first time has been amazing. And they've, they've won back-to-back conference championships in the tournament. And uh, like she said, she doesn't think that's going to be the
0: last one. They're going to win a lot more in the coming years for sure. Uh, moving on to Wrestling. Uh, three Wolverines earned podium finishes at the Cliff Keen Las Vegas Invitational. Freshman Hayden Drury finished third in the 133-pound class. Jacob Armstrong and Evan Brockman finished eighth in their divisions.
1: Yeah, and I think we, we talked about this last week. I, we're not wrestling, yeah. guys. But we. Um, from what I've heard, the Cliff Keen Las Vegas Invitational is one of the premier NCAA like, in-season tournaments. tournaments. And, um, which was surprising
0: because the fact that uh, uh, Taylor Taylor, yeah, Taylor Lamont Taylor Lamont and Demetrius Romero they I don't know if they've we haven't we have well, they did not appear at the tournament which was surprising to me yeah. I thought that that would be an event that they would participate in yeah and I mean they've I don't know if they're they're dealing
1: with injuries we haven't we're not as in touch with the wrestling program as we probably. I know
0: that, uh, Gavin Lee, he's one of our writers. He covered this event and he put in his story that Taylor Lamont is making his return at the next event.
1: Okay. That's yeah, that's good to know. I mean, he's obviously, I mean, he's one of the top 10 wrestlers in his weight class in the entire country. I mean, he finished all American finish at the nationals in the spring. (laughs) So, I mean, he's obviously a premier wrestler and, um, the fact that um, so many of the younger wrestlers are just getting a good run here early in the season is uh, really promising for the team. I mean, they um, looking back at last season, you could see that there was just a lot of raw talent, so to speak, in the in the team. And they've definitely been able to refine that as time's gone on. Uh, moving on to women's basketball, they just had one game this week, uh, which we were both kind of surprised about. Yeah, I don't know why they're... Maybe they're
0: just trying to give everybody time to do their finals or whatever. <laughs> I guess. I mean, they have a gap. They have a one-week gap between this past game and their next game. And then they play on Saturday. And then there's a week gap between their next game until the next Saturday.
1: Yeah, so they, they lost to UNLV on Wednesday. They had the the matinee matchup, so to speak. They played right before the men's basketball game. Uh, they lost to UNLV 73-63. to 63. Neither of us were able to watch that, but just looking at the box score, it was mind-boggling. Wolverines had one player in double figures. That was Josie Williams. She had 11, but 10 players scored for the Wolverines
0: in that one, which is unheard of. Crazy. To Taking the concept of team ball to an extreme. Seriously. <laughs> I mean, the Wolverines didn't shoot a bad percentage either. I think that it was just they... Played a decent all around game, and UNLV played a great all around game.
1: Yeah, and I mean we've we've the story has been turnovers with this team for at least since last the beginning of last season. Um, I don't know much beyond that because I wasn't at U V prior to that. But um, they only had uh, twelve
0: turnovers, which that's, I mean, that's, that's a pretty good number considering. Yeah. I mean, to start the season against Park, I believe they had twenty four. Yeah, so I mean as I think that's, I'm sure that's one thing
1: that that the coaching staff with the Wolverines has been stressing.
0: And I wonder, it makes you think, I wonder if they're almost attempting to play safer in effort Mm -hmm. to keep those turnovers down so you maybe don't make certain plays that could be leading to scores. Yeah, I mean, that's, gosh, I I really want
1: to get out to watch a women's basketball game. I haven't been able to go to any so far this season, um, mostly just because of my work schedule kind of messing with things and they geez, my goodness i'm looking at the the schedule they don't have another home game until january 13th wow that is a, a long
0: road road stand
1: my goodness yeah so that last <laughs> that game against unlv was last uh last home game conference and then they play uh, montana and montana state this weekend, uh, Montana on Thursday. Uh, that one will be on at 7 p.m. and on ESPN Plus. And then Montana State on Saturday at 2, and that one's also on ESPN Plus. So we're going to take a quick break here. Uh, when we come back, we'll have the Big Maple Fardoz AMAC here on the
0: quick Fire Podcast. It's now my pleasure to welcome in the Big Maple Fardoz AMAC who was one of the key players in that win versus BYU Fardos, How are you doing today? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing well. So how does it feel coming off the win versus BYU?
2: Um, I mean, it feels great, obviously, you know. um, You know, I I took some time after the win, you know, to really process um, what had just happened. You know, we did – I didn't know, but after the game, coach had told us, you know, we we had done some history that night, you know, uh, being a number 12 ranked team. Never been done, but, you know – days after time to move on you know we got some tough games coming up and and i've processed that and moved on from that now
0: what was the initial mindset of the team heading into a matchup versus like you said that highly ranked 12 opponent
2: uh you know the mindset was really that um we we don't care who we play um coach madsen and you know staff has instilled that in us you know just the fact that we're probably going to be underdogs all year but the fact that we have the mindset where we truly do not care who we play and whoever we play, uh, we're going to treat, you know, the same every single night, whether it's, you know, a team ranked 300 Denver or D two, or, you know, 12th in the country, whatever it is. It's like, we're coming in with the same mindset every night. We got to do what we have to do on the offensive end, the defensive end, execute our stuff and, um, and just go from there.
1: Uh, Hey Dawes, Nathan farmers here, uh, Defense was a major key in the win. You guys held BYU to 31% shooting. Uh, what was the biggest key for you guys being successful on the defensive end?
2: You know, pr- prior to that game, uh, the week up for that game, the scout was basically, you know, for us to to have a chance to win this game, we're going to have to muck it up. And, you know, watching the Utah game where they played Utah a couple nights before, um, you know, you could tell they out-toughed Utah. Utah was winning at half, and, and BYU put away because you know they were just tougher than them they they executed their stuff better, you know, in the second half. So I think, you know, the coaches kinda instilled that in us. Um, that's one unique thing unique thing about our team. You know, we have the personnel where we can go small, we can go big, um, we have we can go, you know, shooting, whatever it is. And that night, you know, we we had to put a physical lineup together and we just try to them up, them up, you know, as much as we could in the first half and um try to do the same in the second half and um, you know, the goal was really to make Barcelo as uncomfortable as possible. And, and, and I thought we did that. Um, and, you know, he didn't have his first three until overtime where it was basically, you know, the game was done. But um, that just, you know, it goes out to our guards, you know, Blaze and all the other guys who got a piece of Barcelo, And, and uh, you know, just really trying to execute the game plan that we had set for
0: him. And you talked about that physical lineup. Uh, Justin Harmon had a monster game off the bench. He had 24 points and three blocks uh, uh-huh. The key steal at the end of the game. How huge was that performance for the team?
2: You know, as a as one of the vets on the team, you know, seeing a young guy like that come in and play well, you know, is is really you know good for our program and good for the future of this program. Justin had a great game. He he executed, you know, offensively, obviously with the twenty four points, but you know, defensively, really bothering guys, um, getting his hand on balls and and. Disrupting passes and blocking shots and doing different things where, where you know we really needed from that night and and he's a he's a player that's you know getting better every single day um, and I think the improvement you'll see from now to the end of the season is going to be a big one.
1: This is obviously the first uh, win that UVU has had over a ranked opponent uh, to not only upset BYU but to do it at the UCCU Center with uh, fans storming the court. What was that experience like?
2: You know, at the time, it was uh, obviously, you know, it's a great feeling to know that we did something, you know, that hasn't been done before. Um, But like I said, you know, I took my time to process it that night, process it the day after, and I have just kind of put it behind me. Um, You know, we got two tough opponents coming up in SCU and Wyoming. Um, you know, Wyoming who's undefeated and, you know, has a really, really good squad and Southern Utah picked to win, um, you know, their conference and have, you know, preseason player of the year and a bunch of all-conference guys so, you know, the task just gets harder from here. Um, I guess you know, during the moment you know, it feels great to see you know, fans and you know, family and all these other people, you know, that you want to be there to celebrate with you, you know, come on the court but like I said, after after that night, I've processed it and, and moved on.
1: Uh, just as a quick follow-up to that, um, obviously last year was your first year at UVU. You didn't have any fans in the stands. What's it been like uh, playing in front of fans now this season?
2: Honestly, man, it's been great. It's been awesome. Um, I, I love playing in front of fans. It's, you know, that's that's one of my favorite parts you know about the game of basketball um i think just having fans there has obviously not just helped myself but helped our team you know fans can really make a difference especially in big games like that um and just seeing the outcome you know fans growing more and more over the last you know couple weeks um you know is huge and, and we're hoping to you know sustain that momentum throughout throughout the season
0: so you guys are now 4-0 and in overtime games. What's the difference maker in those clutch situations that helps you guys to be so successful?
2: To be honest with you, you know, I, I, if we could, I'd rather not go in overtime, you know? I'd, <laughs> I'd, rather not, I'd, I'd rather not be playing, you know, 44 minutes. Um, you know, but honestly, I, I think just the biggest key, you know, that I have noticed personally that, you know, that changes for us is, I think, mistakes and certain details were just, a hundred percent you know locked into um and we got to figure out how to you know sustain that for the whole game but you know uh, like coach phillips said you know before the game don't let this game get into overtime um or or we're gonna beat these guys and and once overtime hit you know we went in the huddle we were like all right we're not losing like there's no way we're gonna lose and 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 you look at every you know every guy's face on the the bench to the, the guys that were in the game, you could tell uh there's a difference and there's a difference in focus, there's a difference in readiness and there's a difference in paying, you know, attention to detail. Uh and that just that just helped us pull out the win that night and and I don't think anybody wants to play us if the game goes in overtime. <laughs> yeah,
1: for sure. Um what's it like as a aspiring an NBA player to have somebody in the locker room with professional experience like Mark Madsen?
2: You know, personally for me, he's been huge. Um, he's kind of, you know, showed me the ropes. He's, he's helped me um, not just from the basketball side of things, but from the off-court side of things. Um, you know, being a pro is a, is a tough job and, and, you know, you got to have a pro mindset before anything. He's helped me develop that, you know, throughout the summer and Throughout last year, you know, just really um, helping me in terms of uh, figuring out what I need to do to be a pro. And, and you know, it's showed this season. And I've been, you know, just trying to do my best at, you know, maintaining that mindset and having someone like Mark, who, you know, played in the league for a really long time and then also coached in the league for, you know, for some time. So I think having someone like that, you know, I'm an advantage compared to some other people. And, and it just, it really shows.
0: So I don't know if you've seen this, but just this morning, ESPN released their power rankings and you were named the player of the week for college basketball this past week. What does that mean to you to get this kind of national recognition for both you and the team?
2: You know, honestly, it, it's more than myself. I think, you know, it's great for the team. Um, you know, Utah Valley, you know, is obviously important to myself. Um, I, I've kind of always, you know, been, you know, the underdog just coming into whatever situation. So, you know, I'll, I'm going to try to do my best to help Utah Valley, you know, get on the map. And, and by the time I'm done, you know, with my journey here at UVU, um, I just want to look back and, and say that, you know, I've done everything that I could for the school and, and put the school in a great position uh, for the staff and and for our recruits coming in. Uh,
1: since this is the Quick Fire podcast, we're going to close out with a few Quick Fire questions.
2: All right.
0: <laughs> so the uh, first one, uh, what is your favorite pair of shoes? Ooh, I'm going to have to go with the 11s. Do you have a favorite NBA team? Uh, Toronto Raptors. Okay. That's Interesting. Uh, that's I that's say, fair. I mean, that makes
1: sense. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> um, last one, who in your eyes is
0: the greatest of all time? LeBron James. Yeah, LeBron it's it's no question. Good. No question. Okay. Do you root for the Lakers or is it? I, I, I root for LeBron,
2: so wherever LeBron's at, I root for. That, that's him. fair. That's fair. Yeah. I'm, awesome. not, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not a bandwagoner. I just, you know, people ask me, "Are you a Lakers fan?" I say, "No, I'm a LeBron fan." So
0: Th- that's fair, and especially the way the way the Lakers are playing, I don't really feel like it's a bandwagoner standpoint. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, he, yeah they've been playing like trash, but. Yeah. <laughs> well, Fardos, I appreciate you coming in and joining us. Uh, I wish you the best of luck in those games versus Wyoming and
2: Southern Utah. Thank you. Appreciate it, man.
0: And welcome back. That was a great interview with UVU Center Fardo's AMAC and talking about men's basketball, that game versus number 12 BYU uh, that is their first win against a ranked opponent in UVU history.
1: Yeah, I mean they I mean they've had a, I wouldn't say a rich history, but a notable history of playing ranked teams. I know under Mark Pope they had the, I think they, they call it the toughest 24 hours in college basketball. They played a uh, Kentucky, which I and, and Duke, which I think were both, both ranked in the top five, maybe even the top three. And they were both close games. Yeah, I mean, they. I think the, um, that game against Kentucky was really close down the stretch, and then they just kind of ran out of gas. And then the Duke game, I think Duke pulled away
0: more than mm-hmm. Kentucky. Toward, yeah. <laughs> I think it was like single digits versus Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that was definitely... I remember that stretch thinking like, mm-hmm. man, they're really... Aggressive in scheduling. Yeah. Um, And so, I mean, to not only win against a crosstown rival, like Mm -hmm. just across the freeway, and it's a school that a lot of people say is like more developed than UVU, they like get better recruiting. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, But UVU really made a statement in this game. And I think that that is that their basketball program is not just the little brother in Provo. I mean, they really took it to BYU and their defense really showed up in this game.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, um, we mentioned in the interview, uh, they held, uh, BYU to 31% shooting, which, and, um, I don't remember the specific stat line.
0: I know they held BYU also to like 25.9% shooting from three, which BYU hasn't shot well in the season from three, but that is even below their average. Yeah. I mean, that, the Frontline guards for BYU, uh,
1: Alex Barcelo and Tijon Lucas, they, Barcelo shot 6 of 16 and Lucas shot 4 of 15. And those have, those guys have been the uh, the stars of that BYU team. Yeah, they've been the, I mean, is more of an efficiency guy who shoots less but has a high percentage. And then Lucas is kind of a higher volume guy as well. But to hold him to both those guys to under 40% shooting, both of them. And then also Caleb Loner only shot two of 11, which I think you can attribute that more to to uh, Fardaz in the paint, just exerting his dominance down there. I mean, that's, I mean, BYU is going to be a single digit seed in the NCAA tournament. I think that's pretty
0: much unless, I mean, the it, wheels fall it off kind of then. depends on how the loss of Gavin Baxter affects him, because he did go down mm-hmm. with a torn ACL in that game. Yeah, so I mean, I, this is going to, I mean, this win's only going to get better on UVU's resume, yeah, I would say. I agree. And I think the BYU has the strength of schedule with St. Mary's, with Gonzaga, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's opportunity for this win to look really good for the Wolverines. And I mean, uh, going into that game, it was pretty, I remember the Wolverines started over 13, right? They came out really stiff, but then Justin Harmon was huge huge. He he hit his first two shots. Uh, he was really anchoring him on defense on the perimeter with Blaise Neal. Um, he had 24 points uh, off the bench, as well as three blocks. And I remember one of them was a key block on Barcelo, as well as a steal in the final minute and a half of overtime. Uh, I think that UVU just dominated in overtime. I mean, oh, they yeah. shot 40% from the field, 50% from three. Well, they held BYU to just 30% shooting in overtime as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I was so annoyed with myself. I didn't request the day off of work because just from coming back from COVID and everything, I didn't remember to request that day off of work. I was following the game on my phone while at work. And then uh, once I got off of work, it was like the last two minutes of regulation and then overtime. So I was able to watch that part on my phone. But I think you could say that BYU was gaining some momentum
0: back in overtime and then, um, that Amac three. three. That was the biggest shot of the game. And Amac stats, I don't think we mentioned. He had 24 points, 22 rebounds. And on top of that, he had five steals and three blocks. I mean, that's just (laughs) the most all-around. And he had four assists. So I think that's the most well-rounded game I've ever heard of. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's absolutely. I
1: Gosh, I've talked about this well Um, A few weeks ago in one of my classes, we had Clint Berge and uh, I believe it was Jason Erickson as guest speakers. And I asked them about um, how they've been working to get like student involvement at like athletic events, like essentially growing the den, getting more students coming out to games. And um, they've said that that's been a struggle they've had for years, it's not a new thing. Um, but I think uh, this basketball team can really help change that, I think, especially I mean, after that win against BYU. I mean, that, that I feel like that should be enough of a
0: catalyst to get more people showing up for basketball. Or even more viewership. But also, like, I mean, this team is on a seven-game win streak. They've got four overtime wins They had back-to-back overtime wins versus Pepperdine and Long Beach State. And those are good wins. Like, these are not bad teams. Um, So if if you you can pull out the win versus Wyoming, who plays Arizona, by the way, Mm -hmm. I think that this team will most likely, they should, in my opinion, they should have the opportunity to get ranked down down the stretch of the season.
1: Yeah, I mean, we see it almost every year. There's always that one random mid-major school. Well, it's more, more of like a low low major school that mm-hmm. like a um like I remember with John Morant, Murray State. Yeah. They were up in the top twenty five for most of the season. Um, I think that's that would be so cool to see, especially to get uh Fardos some more
0: uh national recognition. I mean he's already well, given he, a bunch. So and he has he's had three straight whack player of the week honors as well as the ESPN Power Rankings College Basketball Player of the Week. And that was released today. Yeah. Um, So I think he's starting to get attention. And I think I was worried at the beginning of the BYU game uh, because he came out a little bit cold. But his all-around game really showed. And I think that, I mean, against a ranked team, I bet you a lot of scouts were watching that game.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's always going to be need for big men in the NBA. I mean, the... The game itself has evolved a lot in the last 10 years or so. But the fact that he can just – he's such a high-volume rebounder, Mm -hmm. I mean, that's going to be
0: the the biggest thing. What I was worried about is that he – when he lost all that weight this offseason, he became Mm -hmm. more agile, more mobile. I was afraid that he was going to struggle more so in the paint, not put up as many rebounds. He has maintained that pace and then some. I mean, he's averaging 22 and 14, I believe. Yeah, I mean that's doesn't matter what kind of competition you're going against. That kind of stat line is that's is that's a game changer. I mean yeah. with the and then he had 24 22 rebounds versus BYU and 8 of them were offensive rebounds. Like 8 offensive rebounds in a game for one player, like 8 offensive rebounds for a team is a stat that other teams don't want, right? Like it's a, yeah. it's an outlier. So for one player to put up 8 offensive rebounds is just I mean, it's such a game shifting stat,
1: you know? And I mean, on the flip side, you could argue that um, BYU was without their top rebounder. um, And Gideon George, he had a career night against Texas Southern uh, just a week before the game. He had, I believe it was something like 15 rebounds. He was just flying all over the place, picking up rebound after rebound. um, And he was out with uh, some sort of they're calling it that quote unquote non COVID illness. I think that's been, they've always had that
0: since. Now you have to premise COVID, it with that. Because if it's not COVID, COVID, all of a sudden your entire team shut down.
1: <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I think still, like Gideon George is something like six 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 eight, some
0: somewhere in that range. So he's, he's a smaller kind of a. He would have been a better matchup than Lore for AMAC, but I still think that AMAC. Like Amex said in the interview, regardless of who they're playing, like they are going to play the same way, and I think that his size and his ability to go get the ball is not going to go away.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, I think I mean I kind of got this vibe from him in the interview that he just. He feels
0: like he can match up with anybody And in the paint. That that is a great mentality to have in terms of going into a potential NCAA tournament. Like Mm -hmm. That is UBU's goal this year is to win the WAC championship and go to the NCAA tournament. The men's team has never been. The women's team had their first appearance last season. They lost to Stanford in the first round. Mm -hmm. But if the UBU men's team can make the NCAA tournament and make a run – I think that that is their ultimate goal this season. I think that that would be a testament to not only Amag and Harmon and Boys Neeld, but to Mark Madsen and the, what he's been able to do with this program. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I mean, I've there's been kind of talk down in here in Utah County about like coaches getting poached. Most of it's been about like Kalani to with BYU football, but I I think after this year, I'd be worried that. Mark Madsen could get poached by somebody to go coach in, like, a Power 5 team or even a a higher mid-major like somebody in the Mountain West. Especially
0: with the NBA experience that he has. Yeah,
1: I mean, that's... Jeez, that that I, stresses me out just a little bit, but I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna bring that bad energy into the Quick Fire podcast.
0: <laughs> All right, so moving on from men's basketball, women's soccer. Nathan, you want to take this one?
1: Yeah, got a little bit of women's soccer notes. Uh, Jenna Shepard, Sadie Brockbank, Heather Steinberg, and Amber Tripp. Trip were all named to the United Soccer Coaches All Pacific Region team. Uh, So, congratulations to them. They were all, they all had stellar seasons. They were all just anchors for that UVU team when they played well. Good things happened and uh, definitely a keys to the success of the women's soccer team this year.
0: For sure. Uh, moving back to Ben's basketball just a little bit. Uh, they just announced a partnership with Five for the Fight last week, becoming the first D1 program to sponsor a jersey patch for the fight against cancer. If you want to join the fight against cancer and contribute $5, please text FUTURE to 5555 and confirm your donation. Switching gears
1: to the national Basketball Association Uh, the Utah Jazz they had two games this past week and I mean it wasn't too far-fetched of a (laughs) prediction for us to say they'd go 2-0 against uh, the struggling Boston Celtics team and the Cleveland Cavaliers yeah I think Um, we were both on the money on that one (laughs) yeah I mean I I know I was kind of following that game uh, last night against Cleveland it was something like 102 90 or something down the stretch and then the Cavs made it way closer than it probably should have been. And Evan Mobley is a great young talent. Yeah, I mean, they, that Cleveland
0: team, I mean, they're... Colin Sexton, Evan isn't Mobley. He out for the year, though? Colin Sexton? Yeah, but I mean... I'm just looking forward to the I'm, future. Like, that is a young team that honestly kind of reminds me of, like, the Sacramento Kings where they're building up and they're they're going to be good.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's we've talked about this. There's kind of a logjam... In the Eastern Conference, I mean, they're they're three and a half back of the top seed, and they're in seventh right now. <laughs> but I mean, that that Eastern Conference is going to be—I can't wait for the <laughs> NBA playoffs, just because that Eastern Confe- Eastern Conference playoffs are just going to be insane. There's just there's no <laughs> predicting what's going to happen out there. Any of those teams, if you're you're looking at. I mean, as of right now, the Sixers and the Hawks—they're in ninth and tenth, and the Knicks too—they're in eleventh. And there's just so
0: many good teams. And I hate to say it, but I feel like the East, there's definitely, it's one of those years where there's a large discrepancy between between the teams in the East and between teams in the West. Yeah, I think the teams in the West are just a lot stronger and the West is a lot deeper this year, where I feel like the East has one or two teams that could like, Content for a title, but the rest I don't think really stand a chance.
1: Yeah, I mean, just looking at the Nets, I mean, they, they're in first place in the Eastern Conference, but a few of the games they've played against Western Conference teams, they just have not looked good. So, like, especially that game
0: against the Warriors, where they're at home and they had Steph Curry lit them up and they had their
1: home fans chanting MVP. I'm, I'm sure they weren't Nets fans, but like, People in the stadium
0: chanting MVP for Steph Curry while he was at the free throw line. It reminds oh. me a little bit of, I grew up in Charlotte. And uh, when the Bobcats would play, whatever team came to town, most of the fans were cheering for that team instead oh, yeah. of the Bobcats. Well,
1: the Bobcats were just so awful. So <laughs> like I, that was like, I should an all-time terrible team.
0: I had this distinct memory of being at the, uh, I can't remember what the arena was called, Time Warner Cable Arena, I believe is what it was. And uh, JR Smith buries a fadeaway for the win in Charlotte, and the entire crowd erupts. <laughs> and it, 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 you could have thought it was a Knicks home game.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's. I mean, like looking at the Jazz, I mean, we kind of touched on this last week about how I was kind of getting the vibe that people were freaking out about the Jazz. Saying that they're struggling, that they're not as good as they were last year, which, which I mean, that's,
0: I mean, you, I mean, they didn't, they haven't had the start that they had last year. Yeah. But at the same time, they're sitting third in the West, and the West is deep. I mean, 15 mm. to seven is not bad. Yeah. And I mean, you won a close game against the Celtics team who has the offensive potential to win games. They're sitting at 12 11, they just haven't won games. And I mean, Mitchell had that clutch three with a minute left. It's a three point game. He hits a step back on Jason Tatum, puts him up six. And he had 34 in that game. I think that that was really huge for the Jazz. I think Mitchell needs to see the ball go in the basket. And I think those past two games, he's been playing really well. And his shooting percentages were solid. And I think that that will help his confidence going forward, where he's not taking such difficult shots.
1: Yeah, I mean, they've got a tough stretch of games up ahead. Um, Little three-game, technically East Coast. I mean, their first game, they're playing at uh, Minnesota on Wednesday. and then. Um, at Philadelphia on Thursday and at Washington uh, at the Wizards on Saturday which I I'm gonna say they go two and one in I, I say they lose to Washington yeah
0: I think that's the we gotta we gotta disagree though we can't well, it, no, it I, I'm, to I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> one up you here I'm gonna say they go one and two. I think that okay. they will drop one at Minnesota. They'll beat Philly. I think that Philly isn't really a team to contend with them. And then I think Washington's playing really well, so I think they'll <laughs> go one and two. Okay, yeah I'll, yeah. I'll say they go two and one. They, I think they'll beat Minnesota and Philly. I, I think, think Anthony Edwards is just so dangerous. Mm-hmm. I feel like going up against an upper-level Western Conference team, I think that he'll show up in a big way.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that's... Gosh, that
1: Minnesota team, they've been dangerous to start the season. I mean, I, I, I don't of the Timberwolves obviously but <laughs> just like it seems like they always have every game they have some sort of big highlight play even when they they lose there's just something that makes the news and they they're just gaining lots of momentum i mean they they're currently
0: sitting in ninth, but i wouldn't be surprised if they i think that that team, i think that they remind me of kind of of the grizzlies last year mm-hmm. where they're like just on the outside looking in but they, i think that they'll make it I think think that the way that Portland's playing, I don't think they'll make it this year. Mm -hmm. There's rumors of Ben Simmons going to play in Portland in a trade for CJ McCollum. Interesting. Um, I honestly think that Portland needs that shakeup because I don't think that they'll make the run they normally make Mm -hmm. at the end of the season. So I think that um, Minnesota can definitely slip into that spot.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm surprised that they haven't figured something out for Ben Simmons yet. I mean, it's just. I've, I've been saying that the Sacramento Kings need to go all in on him because I mean, they're not going to get, they're not going to sign any superstar player that they didn't draft
0: to stay in Sacramento. They're not going to, they're not going to get these free agency signings like Kevin, the Kevin Durant's and the Steph Curry's and the Russell Westbrook's. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, you're going to
1: get the, the homegrown guys like, um, like a deer Fox and guys like that, that are going to want to stick around with the team that's drafted
0: them, which is rare in today's league. Cause I feel like all it takes is Steph Curry or LeBron saying, Hey, come play with me. And every single young player flocks to that team. Yeah. I mean, that
1: it's, I think that's, I mean that I've always gotten that vibe from De'Aaron and Fox, even back when he was playing at Kentucky, he just seems like the type of guy that's um, stays loyal and yeah, just, likes to stick with familiar surroundings, something like
0: that. So the Warriors and Suns traded games, both of their win streaks consequentially ended. But yeah. I mean both teams are still sitting at 19 and four. I mean that's honestly this to me is unheard of. Normally there's one team that starts off really hot, but for two teams to be sitting at top of the West and both have ridiculously high records, um like win percentage of eighty two point six percent.
1: Yeah, I mean that's gosh. I I watched that. Um, that first game was on Tuesday, I yeah. believe, last week.
0: Right? The yeah. Suns pretty much. Curry really struggled in that one. Suns dominated. Yeah, uh,
1: it wasn't. I mean, I don't think there was. It was just a matter of him missing shots. He wasn't. I mean, he was getting he was just the same cold. looks that he was always getting. Just, he was just wasn't cold. making them. So I mean, I don't think it was anything really that the Suns were doing special to throw him off. Um, that game on Friday I think was more of a more of what we should expect. I'm not saying that as a biased Warriors fan, but i as a basketball fan, I think But the
0: Suns didn't have Devin Booker in either of those that's games. True. So that's yeah. I mean that's something to think about, but at the same time, I've always held the opinion that the Suns can lose Devin Booker and still win games. They cannot lose Chris Paul or DeAndre, De- oh, yeah. DeAndre, Aiden and win games. I mean,
1: that's. I mean, we've seen that with so many Chris Paul teams over the years. They just the wheels fall off. I mean, you like at the Houston Rockets, in the Western Conference Finals. A few yeah,
0: years Chris Paul the goes. They were up what? 2-3-1? Three, three, one. Sets, so, er, man, I'm in volleyball <laughs> mode right now, man. Especially because UPU has had so many games to finish three to one. <laughs> yeah, uh, three, three games to one. Then nah, that's the word. Chris Paul goes out all of a sudden. Warriors are making like an insane comeback. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So I mean that's 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 always been the big knock on Chris Paul is that he can't stay healthy.
0: Yeah. And so and if Chris year, Paul show like is in the game in a playoff series, in a seven game series, I think that they can contend with anybody. I don't think there's anybody particularly that they have a bad matchup against. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that a Suns jazz series would be really entertaining. Mm -hmm. I think that the Warriors do match up better with the Jazz than the Suns do. I think that the Warriors style is just a natural counter to the how the Jazz play and Mm -hmm. with how deep that the Warriors team is currently constructed. Um, I think that the Jazz might struggle in a series against the Warriors. Yeah, we we touched
1: on this last week. I think the Jazz really need to avoid the Warriors as long as they can. If they can
0: get on that two to three seed line. Yeah, then you'll have to see until maybe the Western Conference Finals. Yeah, that's all we've got for this week's Quick Fire Podcast. Be sure to tune in next week. I'm sure we'll have some great results for you from men's basketball as well as women's basketball in their game this week. Thanks for tuning in and have a wonderful week.